I, I'm so honored this morning to, uh, to be able to introduce Joe, and I'm going to read something here because I, I have to read it so that I can get it all right. Now, I have to, Joe. I have to, man. I got to. It gives me great joy to do this because, yeah, I do. <laughs> Joe was a four-year defensive end starter at New Mexico State University. Joe was named Mad Mountain Jackson a nickname derived from a local Indian legend. He received all Rocky Mountain Conference and preseason All-American honors. He graduated with a degree in English. Guys, education's important. It's important. It is. Yeah, amen. And is a member of the New Mexico State University Intercollegiate Athletics Hall of Fame. In 1972, I was, uh, maybe I was in middle school. I'm not sure, Joe. I, <laughs> In 1972, the New, the New York Jets made Joel their fifth pick. He finished second in quarterback sacks in his rookie season. While a member of the New York Jets, Joe played with the football greats like Joe Namath, John Riggins, and Matt Snell. Us older folks know that, too. In 1976, Joe followed defensive line coach Buddy Ryan to Minnesota and the Vikings, where he became a member of the famed Purple People Eaters, consisting of the great Jim Marshall, Carl Eller, Alan Page, and Joe Jackson. Joe also played with Fran Tarkenton and Ahmad Rashad. Since 1988, this is the most important part, Joe has served as Pro Director of Athletes International and a church evangelist at Phoenix First Assembly of God. That's the most important part, Joe. Amen. And uh, Joe, came from, Joe and his wife, Carol, came from Phoenix to spend the weekend with us, and he spoke, as we said, to a portion of the football team yesterday, and we're so thankful for that. And, uh, and this morning, uh, we're just honored to have Joe. So would you uh, just give Joe a Centerpoint Assembly welcome this morning as he ministers to us. Amen, brother. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the um, 1972. Wow, my wife was seven years old. She just nudged me. I was seven years old in 1972. Thank you. Bless God. I've had a great time here. I've met a lot of nice people. And I guess I'm a fudgy. I didn't even know what that meant until yesterday. Because I, I got some fudge. And I said, well, you're a fudgy. That's what we call you. Yeah, okay. I'm a black fudgy, okay? <laughs> Proud of it, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm a chocolate fudgy. <laughs> All right. Good night. <laughs> and well, you know, back uh, several years ago, I was 18 years old, and I was walking home from football practice on the campus of New Mexico State in Las Cruces, New Mexico. I grew up in Cincinnati, and uh, I was at New Mexico State in college on a scholarship. I was going to Michigan, but something, uh, it's a long story, but anyway, God worked it out. Walking home from football practice, and a kid named Ken Johnson, as this was during the height of the Jesus movement. Some of you may recall that, a uh, dispensation of the Holy Spirit on young people unparalleled in church history. And just minding my own business with my walk that I got. And uh, this kid, Ken Johnson, approached me and said, hey, big man, have you got five minutes? I said, what's the deal, brother? He said, okay, well, here's the deal. And he told me that God loved me. He told me that God had a great plan for my life. He told me that because of sin, there was a chasm between God and man. But no problem. But then he asked me, do you know what the word chasm means? I said, yes, of course. I never heard chasm in my life. 
But I do know this, that I had a praying grandmother. And the Bible says that the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous grandmother has much power. And my grandmother prayed that I'd come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And right there on the campus of New Mexico State, 40-something years ago, a kid gave his heart to Jesus Christ, and he changed my life. And I've got no, no regrets that I gave my heart to Christ. And this is kind of a segue to this T-shirt, no regrets on the front. And, of course, the back says, and you've seen these, live your life so the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. Amen. <laughs> I have a table in the back with uh, shirts and a football and some pictures I'll sign for you. It's another way that we can help support this ministry. Um, and I thank you for that. Brother Mike, thank you for the opportunity to come here. God bless you. What a great church you have. Never been to, uh, help me, my wife. Come here. <laughs> Charlevoix. <laughs> Never been to Charlevoix. But this is a beautiful area. I like to come back here sometime and, you know, and uh, spend some more time up here in this area. Wow, we've had a great time. You know, Pastor Mike, you really said it today. You talked about a family. You've been talking about family. You've been talking about a family. I want to talk to you, too, about family. I want to talk to you about the family of God, the family of God. And if you have your Bibles, you may want to turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 through 15. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 through 15. And the Bible simply says, although I am less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him, faith in him, that we might approach God with boldness. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom... His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So, Father, for the next few minutes, I pray the anointing of God. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, that you would not only speak to my heart, God, but, Lord, that you speak to these, your people, that you brought here this morning. Oh, God, you minister your spirit in ways that only you can, Lord. God, you break down doors, Lord. You'd open doors, Lord. Give us all a revelation, Lord, that we might leave this place changed. Oh, because we've been in the presence of an almighty God. Well, Father, we'll be quick to give you the praise and the glory. In the name of Jesus, the risen Lord, amen and amen. Several years ago, Bishop Fred Caldwell, of Greenwood Acres Full Gospel Baptist Church 
had a radical idea to bring diversity to his predominantly black congregation. Caldwell was willing to pay white people $5 if they'd come on a Sunday morning. And if they'd come on a Thursday evening, Caldwell was willing to pay them 10 bucks. For a Thursday night service. Now you can imagine this type of radical approach drew the attention of a number of media outlets, including CNN's Soldad O'Brien. And I want to read some of the excerpts of that or, or, um, interview. And it's simply like this Soldad O'Brien and Bishop Caldwell. How's the attendance right now at the church? Overall, black people and white people? Caldwell. Well, the attendance overall at Greenwood Acres Full Gospel Baptist Church is great. We have very few white people, though, but overall, a super great church. O'Brien, how many white people are in your church? Caldwell. In attendance on a regular basis, five or six. O'Brien, five or six people, and you have a couple of thousand members? Caldwell, well, five or six white people, basically predominantly 99.9% .9 black or African American, only about five or six white people on a continuing basis. Well, O'Brien, so it's, it sounds like you've got great numbers, so it's not like a building up, just adding seats and adding members. Why would you want to pay white people to come to your church? Caldwell, because this area is basically polarized, and we need to mix it up. So $5 is good fishing bait. O'Brien, well, I've got two quick questions for you. Number one, why is Thursday more valuable than Sunday? Well, Thursday is more valuable than Sunday because people are working, and it might take a little bit more effort to get them out. And on top of that, they'll probably get paid. So $10 an hour is good fishing bait is better than they'll probably make at McDonald's or Burger King. O'Brien, well, there, there are some people who are truly saying, why in the world would you waste that money or give that money to get white people to come to your church when there are people in your own neighborhood who could use that money? How do you answer that, Caldwell? Well, Caldwell simply said, Judas Iscariot said the same thing. He said the same thing to Jesus. That money should be taken and given to the poor. That argument has been out there for years. The people that are saying it, I doubt very seriously if they're taking their paychecks and giving money to the poor. So let's just cut to the chase. America 
needs to come together. And the family of God especially needs to look like the family of God on Sunday morning. And that's what we're trying to do. Well, our text today is that Paul should preach the enrichable, rather the, the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And thus he is widening the scope of God's original tent, intent that first the gospel might be preached to the Jews and then the Gentiles. So Paul is now beginning to manifest the manifold wisdom of God. See, when you get into the wisdom of God, you get into the mind of God. The mind of God. And to understand the mind of God is to understand more of God. But God's mind is so broad. God's mind is so, is so big. God's mind is so inexhaustible. Who can really understand the mind of God? It's not so much that we know his mind as we seek his mind. We seek his mind. We grope after his mind. Or we seek his will. Because to know God's will is to know God's mind. To know what God has purposed for you. That you might fathom some, to some degree God's plan for your life. Because God has a divine plan for your life. Did you know that? God has a divine plan for your life. And you have to know that. You have to believe that. Because everything that happens to you in your life is not good. And trusting God begins at the point, not at the point, that he does things and you understand and you accept and you say, Amen, brother. But trusting God begins, begins at the point that he does things and allows things to happen in your life and you don't have a real clue as to why. As to why James Foley's head was beheaded from his body. You know, it's, 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 it's easy to trust God when a situation like that, and, and he's set free. But when the captives behead him, it's not as easy to trust God. And you have to resort back to the wisdom of God. Because the Bible says that as high as the heavens are from the earth, so my ways are above your ways. 1 Corinthians one twenty-five. The foolishness of God is better than your greatest wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than men's strength. And I know this sounds hard for us to visualize, but allow me to say this. If God were just acting, ever acting silly, he would be smarter than your wisest man. Now, you remember God walked walked up on Job when Job was having a temper tantrum. Because Job thought he knew what was better for his life than God did. And God asked Job a series of questions. And the questions were simply this. Hey, Job, let me ask you something. Where were you when I laid the earth foundations? Job, where were you when I marked out its dimensions? Job, where were you when I spit the seven seas out of my mouth? Job, Job, where were you when I cast the stars in the sky? Where were you, Job? So Paul is beginning to talk about this manifold wisdom of God. 
He says, it is given unto man to unveil, that is the church, this manifold wisdom of God. What a responsibility that we have come, rather become, a channel of expression to reveal the wisdom of God. That means that walking with God ought to make you wiser. And when the world looks for wisdom, when it looks for God's wisdom, in addition to his word, they can look at us. But the problem is, the church is confused. Pastor told me about a church and a pastor who won't even preach that marriage should, between, should be between a man and a woman. He said, I can't preach it because I don't believe it. So if the church is confused, then there's no salt on the earth. I mean, if the physicians are sicker than the patients, who in the world can be healed? But you see, God has purposed everything in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He purposed everything in Christ before he started. It was finished before it basically started. And if you believe that statement, you'll believe this statement. Whenever God does something, now listen to me, whenever God does something, he does it, and he does it. In 1 Peter 1.20, the Bible says that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. God has already purposed everything in Christ Jesus from the beginning. All time does is usher in what eternity has already determined. It's only a matter of time. Therefore, with patience, the Bible says, do we wait for it? Uh, you know, God wants us to grow up in our thinking. Verse 12 says that he wants us to walk with a spiritual boldness. You ought to face life with boldness. Well, why is that, Joe? Because you've had access to God. You have access to wisdom. You have access to God's master plan. You have access to revelation knowledge. You have access to the purpose of God. I have access, rather, I have confidence that God who began a good work in my life shall perform it. I mean, if the church didn't have to spend so much time resuscitating its own soldiers, straightening out little kitty squabbles, trying to get Johnny to give Susie Mae back her doll baby, I believe that we could walk into the devil's camp and take back what the devil stole from us. Oh, yeah. Some of these things that I'm worried about and you're worried about mean absolutely nothing in the scope of eternity. I mean, we walked yesterday, Terrell and I, my wife, we were driving past, and we were looking at some nice houses on Belvedere. So we said, wow, it'd be great to get over there and see one of those houses because we just saw the back sign on the gate said, only members, <laughs> only members, visitors do not proceed. I'd like to have a nice house like that. Yeah, that'd be great. But my goodness, in the scope of eternity, what in the world does it matter? We worry an eternal God about temporal problems that mean absolutely nothing. 
I've got this new, not a new car, but I got a car several months ago. And uh, I'm just going online because I'm just, I'm just almost possessed with getting some rims. Because I don't like the stock rims that came with the car. Oh my goodness, what in the world does that matter? What kind of rims you got on that car? Not at all. Well, <laughs> well, watch out now. From an t- eternal perspective, it really means absolutely nothing. Who's got the biggest? Who's got the biggest home? Who's got the nicest car? Who lives in the neighborhood? I mean, in the scope of eternity, what does it matter? And we worry things about these things because we fail to grow up and understand who we are in the kingdom. And see, when you start talking about the kingdom of God, when you start walking and talking with God, guess what? You can't tell everybody because it'll sound like you are crazy. Paul says, I don't even think, I don't even know whether to live or die. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. You don't find too many people in this church, in my church, who are walking around saying, hmm, should I live or should I die? Well, verse 15, this is really what I want to talk about. Of whom the whole family, both in heaven and in earth, is named. And look at this family. See, I believe that everything in God is relative to family. And when God looks at his church, he should see one family, one heart, one soul, one spirit. One of the problems is with the church house in America is that there's an incredible amount of polarization today. You get white churches, and you get black churches. And I call it racial, political polarization. Racial, political polarization. It's the silliest thing I've ever seen. You see, on this side, you got white evangelicals, white charismatics, white fundamentalists, white Pentecostals. Now, when I speak this, I mean generally speaking. Generally speaking, as I've traveled across this country for years in all kinds of churches, and this side pretty much opposes this administration, and, and even though we are to pray for our leaders, it's like I'm praying for its absolute demise and failure. And on this side, You got the Al Sharptons, you got the Jesse Jacksons. On this side, black people interpret this side as the Sean Hannity's and people like this with Fox. This is CNN. And you hear the black churches say, well, you know what? It's about time we got one of us in the White House. And they see the election of this nation's first black president as a direct fulfillment of the dream of Martin Luther King. 
But I will say about this side, because I've been to their churches, this side is indeed praying that God would protect this man, his family, and even give this man wisdom that he might leave this nation, this nation, this world. The problem I have about this side is that when this side says anything negative about Barack Obama, this side sometimes is a little bit too quick to play the race card. What's wrong? You don't like black people or something? The church has got to wake up, take the blinders off, and see that we are indeed a family. And it's my interpretation, it's my belief that the family of God, or just let me say this, family. If, if I need an organ of transfusion, the first place they look is where? Family. Somebody with the same genetic code. Somebody with the same DNA. Because anything you apply to my body that is not from my DNA or genetic code, this body will reject. It's my understanding that the family of God, that the DNA of the family of God is not the Republican Party, not the Democratic Party, not the Tea Party, not the Whig Party, not the Green Party, not the Libertarian Party. The DNA of the family of God is faith in Jesus Christ, which gives birth to the sanctified party. That's the party I'm a, I'm a part of right now. It's one of the things that I have in common with Abraham and Moses, and David, and Jephro, Deborah, and Balak, and all the old-time prophets of God, is faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't be in the family of God without faith in Jesus Christ. You come by faith, you walk by faith, you die in faith. God, when God pulled Abraham out of a Gentile nation, he said, I'm going to start a new seed. And he said, because of your seed, you're going to be a blessing throughout the entire earth to all the nations. The one criteria that they taught generation through generation to generation is keep it in the family. Don't marry the heathen. Keep it in the family. But because our culture is so racially driven, we looked at a spiritual principle, or they looked at a spiritual principle and thought it was a racial divide. And God was never trying to divide us racially as he was trying to divide us or keep us faithfully. I mean, if you look at those Ethiopian Jews, those brothers are blacker than this microphone. And when Israel found out 
that they were in exile, they sent planes and they brought them back. And they brought them back because they were worshiping Jehovah God. It didn't matter how light, it didn't matter how dark those Africans were. Man, absolutely nothing. Man, if you are of our faith, then you are our brother. And then I'm even redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And they brought 1,500 of them back. They crammed them. They jammed them in planes. You are our family, not because of your skin color, but because of your faith. And nothing to me articulates this any, any better, particularly among African Americans. Because all of us are not the same skin tone. You know my family. I'm probably the darkest one in my family. Oh, yeah. I got a brother who's about the same color as you. I've got a mama who's about the same color as you. I've got a sister, well, not quite that way, but (laughs) you get my point. We're not all the, the same skin tone, but we're the same family. So as a Christian, I begin, and I want to illustrate to the world that God has a family, and his sons and his daughters don't match. Don't have the same, I can't go like this, hair color. Don't have the same skin color. Aren't the same height. Aren't the same build. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ applied to my sin, we're family. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they taught this. They said, don't marry the heathen. Don't embrace a heathen lie. In the Bible, a heathen means someone not of faith. So it's not an issue of someone not of race, but it's someone not of faith. You see, Jacob couldn't die until he brought all of his family around that deathbed. And he said, you know, when I learned something about my God, and I cannot die with what I know. I've really been fascinated over the Jewish tradition of family and faith. Because there's so many similarities in their heritage that are like mine. The Jews spread out all over the world. I've traveled to different parts of the world. I see black people. I see them in New Zealand. I see them in Australia, Singapore, and Jews also everywhere. They're in Europe, Asia. I come to recognize that this is one ethnic family. They've been abused, and so are black people. They've been enslaved, so are black people. But see, they've gone further because they've been through the Holocaust. They've been skinned alive. They've been left for dead, gassed in chambers. But yet nothing that anybody did to these people kept them from getting up They came out of some of the death camps with only a tattoo on their, a number on their arm and a dog tag. Absolutely devastated. And now they're some of the richest people in the world. My goodness, what has happened? 
I want to know what's up. Because I want to come up with a strategy so that the whole family of God, black people, white people, brown people, yellow people, can stand shoulder to shoulder in the anointing of the Holy Ghost and show the world and show the devil what the kingdom and the family of God looks like. And the Jews will tell you that there's three things that are important in their lives. Number one is faith in God. Number two is commitment to family. And number three is commitment to economic empowerment. But they'll tell you that the family unit is essential. Whenever we know something, we teach it to our kids. The guy that makes my T-shirts is Jewish, but he loves Jesus with, with all of his heart. And he comes with, with, with these incredible, God gives them these incredible designs. I believe that everything in the kingdom of God re, revolves around family. God established family before he established the church. Because I believe that the church should be a picture of family. Again, we don't all look alike. We don't all walk alike. White people walk like this. Black people walk like this. It's no big deal. We're all getting to the same place. Black people just do it with style. White people talk like this. <clears throat> Hello, my name is Barrington Sebastian Van Cleef III, and I feel exquisitely exuberant. What? Black people talk like this. Hey, baby, my name is Sugar Pie Johnson, and I'm feeling as groovy as a 10-cent movie where you get your popcorn and candy free. I hate to rain on your parade this morning, but God, God's family sits on both sides of the aisle. They're from various political parties. And it seems that every time there's an issue in America, like Ferguson, Missouri, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, the devil tries to bring a schism and a wall between the family of God, between the black family of God and the white family of God. And if we don't do something as a church, I'm not talking about the Sharptons or people like that. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Because really, that's our only hope. God is our only hope. And if we don't do something as a body, I believe it's not only going to be just little powder cakes over here and this over here. I believe that there's going to be an eruption. I believe that we are on a verge of something like that. Yes, we've come a long ways from the 60s. When I couldn't go swim in the sunlight pool because we don't take color people. But it just alarms me that the devil will ignite something insignificant and then all of a sudden it's a huge flame. Now, I don't like you. 
I got a text this morning, not a text this morning, but I looked on Facebook this morning from a friend of mine. And um, she's a pastor's wife. They're good friends of mine. And she said something on there that I didn't like. So all of a sudden, I said, well, I'm not going to follow her. Now, these are dear friends. It's so stupid. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to make it right. But the family of God is so important. The family of God can bring change to America. The family of God can bring change in our culture. The family of God can get things back. But again, it's not going to happen because of a political system. Who's ever Republican or Democrat in the White House, it's, it's the men and women of God who are going to stand up and absolutely say enough is enough. And I'm going to take back, I'm going to regain the ground that the devil has taken from us as a church. There could be somebody here this morning. You might not be a part of the family. You may be a part of this family church, but you're not part of God's family. You're only part of the family of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, by faith in Jesus Christ. And that ignites us, rather unites us. It should ignite us too, but certainly unites us as family. I was playing football. We were playing the uh, Rams in L.A. And some of you may have seen this game. We played the Rams. I was playing with the Vikings. And it was a deluge. It was a downpour. And our jerseys were just so, our uniforms were just so pitted with, 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 with dirt and mud. You couldn't even recognize the players. You couldn't recognize the numbers. And we beat the Rams. Well, the very next week, we had to play the Cowboys to see to go to see who goes to the Super Bowl. And I'm at Texas Stadium in the locker room, and I'm seated at my locker right here. And there's my pads, there's my helmet, there's all my equipment. I look at my jersey that had just been completely soiled four days prior. And it's just as clean as could be. And see, that's what the cleansing power of God through Jesus Christ does. And I wonder if you could just sort of <clears throat> envision this altar as a locker room. And God has a new jersey for you. You might not be a part of family. Man, family is important. If you don't believe it, and I don't recommend this, just leave this church, leave any church, and see if you don't miss the family of God. And whenever you come back, whenever you get your heart right or repent and come back, you know what it's like? It's just like taking a cold drink of water. 
is so good. That's what the family of God is. I wonder if somebody here this morning, you don't have that sense. You don't feel like, you've never felt like you've been a part of a family. I've got some good family members, but I, I tell you, there's some family members within the body of God that are even closer than my own family. Because there's that kindred spirit and relationship that you can't find in any other human source. Jackie, come and the praise team. You know, guys, it costs more than five bucks and ten bucks for you to become a member of God's family. There's no monetary amount. There's no level of religious virtue where you can become a member of this family. For you to become a member of this family is only possible that God would offer a member of his family, his only son, Jesus Christ. By his blood. That's the only way that you can have interest Interest into the family of God is through the blood of Christ. It's through the door that Jesus opened by dying. I was a member of Second Trinity Baptist Church for the first 18 years of my life. I didn't really know the Old Testament from the New Testament, but because I was a member of a church, I went forward. I was baptized. They put me on a church roll, but... I was lost as a ball in high weeds. I didn't know the Lord. I wasn't a part of God's family until that day in Las Cruces when I gave my heart to Jesus. I wonder if there's somebody here today that you really are longing to be God. I want to be part of a family. I want to be part of a family. I want to be loved, Lord. I want to come as I am the family, Lord. That's what you can do in family. That's what Jesus Christ offers us here this morning. This is the air I breathe. Yeah, you are. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. Is my daily bread. Mm-hmm. This is my daily bread. Your bread. 
spoken to me and I I'm desperate for you and I sing it again. Let's make it personal. You are the air I breathe. Come on. You are the air I breathe. Your holy In me, come on, let's sing the second verse. You are my daily bread. Yes, you are. You are my daily bread. Your whole holy word. my mind you 
with all of my strength. You are my Lord. You are my Lord. Come on, sing it again. More love, yeah. More power, more of you in my life. More love, more power, more of you in my life. I will. With all of my I will you with all of my mind with all of my strength you are my you are my as your eyes are closed and Joe just explained to us what family is all about listen this is so important this is the most important time of the whole service right now because I know that there may be some here this morning that there's something churning in your heart churning in the, in the, in the very bottom of your heart in your stomach area you may be just some little nervousness maybe a little, a little anxiety a little angst that's so important that we know what that is this morning, we have to ask this morning, this morning, if you want to be part of the family and if you're not sure you are, this is the time right now. This is the time. So with all eyes closed, all eyes in prayer this morning, if you want to be sure that you're part of the family, would you just lift up your hands so we can pray with you, so we can pray for you this morning? There'd be nothing more that would make Joe's weekend to pray somebody into the kingdom of God this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good, Father. You're so good. We worship your name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, now we just thank you for this word. We thank you for this message. We thank you, Lord, that this message will go on and on and on and on. Every word will come back to you someday. And Joe was faithful in delivering the word. And now, Holy Spirit, we just give you the opportunity to continue to work in the hearts and lives of people that you would continue to draw us closer to you this week that as we leave this place today, that it doesn't end. This is, church isn't over when we leave. Life goes on and church goes on in the hearts and lives of your people. So Lord, I pray that your kingdom would come in the hearts and lives of us today. And Jesus, we're so thankful for your mercy and your grace that you would minister to us throughout this day as we go to our homes, as we go to our places of, of, of living and work tomorrow. God, that your Holy Spirit would just dwell with us and just continue to lead us and guide us and, and draw us closer to you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, before you go, I want to take an offering for Joe. 
I want to take an offering for his ministry. Um, you know, God is the provider of all things, right? But the provision comes through people. It comes through you and me. It comes through our pocketbook in many ways. So this morning, if you feel led, I want to take another offering, and we're going to sing the song again while we take the offering. But if you would just do what the Lord asked laying on your heart to bless pro athletes, the pro athletes international, right, Joe? Pro athletes international. Make your church out to make your check out the Center Point Assembly. But we're going to then take this whatever comes in this offering, and we're going to pass it on to Joe's ministry. So let's just pray, Father. We just ask you, Lord, to be glorified one more time. And as we worship you with our giving, joyfully and willingly, we love you with our worship of our giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. More more of you in my might be thought, thought, well, you know, he's just, he's just harping on black and this and that. Hey, listen, my wife and I want to stand shoulder and shoulder and show the kingdom of God, show the world, show the devil what the kingdom of God really looks like. And that's really the heartbeat of this of this message. Because there's so much junk out there. You got this side saying this. You got this side saying this. Does anybody care what God is saying? And, that, and, that's, and that's, I'm not here to step on anybody's toes or to, or to push some political agenda. That's not me. I'm here to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're family because of the blood of Christ. Full of my heart, you are my Lord. You are my Lord. Every day of my life, you are my You are my Lord. Mm-hmm. Oh, Woo. You are my Lord. Ah. I better sit down.
Father, we just thank you once again for this day. We just thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the word that was given. Lord, I pray that it plants in our heart and life and it does not easily leave us. We do not forget it. We, we, we walk with it. We talk with it. We, and we just digest it all week long, I pray. Bring us back, Jesus. Bring us back again. We're fellowship with family. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed today as you go. Make sure you stop at Joe's table out there. He's got a lot of stuff to, to, to talk about.